Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here it is. If you're newer to our church, my, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I've been on staff for almost five years now. And I just want to pray again before I begin uh, the message. Father, we are just very humbled to be your people. Uh, We're humbled to be able to come before your word and to be able to hear what you have to say to us. Uh, And so this morning, God, we just acknowledge that your word is living and active. We pray, God, that this message would just speak to us where we're at. You would enliven it by your Holy Spirit. And would do the work that you need to do in us, your people, today. Again, God, we thank you that you are so faithful. You are a God who keeps his promises. You're a God who is good. Um, and a God who um, never changes. And that we can count on you. So we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin by posing a question for you. Has your life turned out how you planned or imagined it would? If you were able to go back in time 5, 10, or even 20 years ago and think back to that moment in time, what you thought about life and who you are, what you dreamed or imagined for the future, did you ever expect you would be where you are at today? If I was able to go back 20 years ago and someone came up to me and told me, in 20 years from today, you will stand before a congregation and give a sermon, I would tell them they are playing crazy. And I'm not a violent man, but I I might smack them on the back of the head. Our God is a God who's full of surprises. And life has many different twists and turns. As we're going through this series in Hebrews 11, I really believe God is trying to do something in our church to awaken a deeper faith in him. And the way that we're approaching Hebrews 11 is not to start with the human perspective, but rather to start from God's perspective. What does Hebrews 11 teach us about our big God? And then what does it mean to have big faith in him? This morning, as we continue in Hebrews 11, we're going to get acquainted with a man named Abraham. And Abraham's life had plenty of unexpected twists and turns. God gave him quite a few surprises throughout his life. But we're going to see how, through Abraham's story, how God's going to reveal his great plans for his people. If you go all the way back to Genesis 12... God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham is told that he will be the forefather of a people, and not just any people, the people of God. God has always had a great plan for this world and and for his people. And Abraham is going to play a key part in God's story. 
And to see how the story begins for Abraham, we're going to go start in Hebrews 11, 8. And then I also want to read Genesis 12, 1. Hebrews 11, 8. says, By faith Abraham, when called to go a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Then Genesis 12, 1 It said, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. In Genesis 11, there's a genealogy, and Abraham is briefly introduced, but the story gets moving pretty quickly here in Genesis 12. God speaks to Abraham, and he tells him, it's time to leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And you're going to go to a land I will eventually show you. Abraham is 75 years old at this time. He's not a young man by any means. And I think the older you get, the more set in your ways you become. It's harder to handle change as you get older. I was walking out of my physical therapist's office the other day. And there was this newsletter, and I had to do a a double take. Um, It was called Suburban Seniors. When I first read it, I thought it said Stubborn Seniors. (laughs) I guess you see what you believe sometimes. And I love people who are more seasoned in life. But isn't it true that we get a little bit more stubborn as we get older? Also from Genesis 12, it can be inferred that Abraham was a pretty wealthy man. He was well-established. He was, had a lot to his possessions. So it wasn't like he was a young 20-something who had nothing to lose. Abraham had a lot to lose. Everything that Abraham had known in his homeland, he was asked to leave behind and let go of. And if that wasn't hard enough, God is pretty nebulous and unclear on where he's actually going. This point is emphasized here in Hebrews eleven eight, when the writer says, Abraham did not know where he is going. I want to put this situation hopefully into a modern scenario for us. Scenario or scenario? I don't know which is it. Imagine with me that one day God comes and speaks to you. And he says to you, I want you to pack your bags and your family family's bags too. And I want you to go to O'Hare to terminal number five, which is the international terminal. And you will be given plane tickets when you arrive and you will board a private plane with a destination unknown. And this is a one-way ticket. You won't be coming back ever. That's what Abraham was facing here in Genesis 12. For most of us, that scenario would present a lot of challenges and difficulties. The unknown, the uncertain is scary. It's hard for us. Most of us gravitate towards what is known, what is certain, and we try to eliminate surprise and risk from our lives. But here's the truth. 
elements of our future will always be somewhat unknown to us. We really don't know for certain what the events or steps of our lives will hold on earth. There's no guarantee where you will be a year from now. There's no certainty about what major challenge or wonderful thing is going to happen in your life in the next few months. It's at this intersection of the unknown in our story that faith not only becomes possible, it becomes necessary. You see, when life is certain and when life is known, faith is not needed. It is the unknown that requires us to throw up our hands and to let go of control and begin to trust in our God. Our God in his plans will call us out of what is known to trust him in the unknown. Going back to verse 8, I want, to, want you to notice the, the nature of Abraham's response. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. There's an immediacy in Abraham's response that reveals his faith. He didn't waver. He didn't ask God for a week to think it over. He didn't make a list of pros and cons. He knew God was clearly leading him, and he responded in obedience. Abraham didn't know the full outcome of his decision, but he knew God was in it. And I realize for us how often we want clarity to know if something is God's will or not. And it can be a struggle to discern. Part of having faith is trusting that God will give us the amount of clarity that we need to obey and follow him. I love how John Orberg puts this in his newest book. He says, there's an old saying for travelers. A car's headlight only shines for 15 feet, but that 15 feet will get you all the way home. God knows just how much clarity will be good for us. Not too much and not too little. We don't follow clarity, we follow God. I love that last part. We don't follow clarity, we follow God. And I wonder how often we are looking for clarity rather than looking for God. We have to trust that as God leads us, he is giving us the clarity that we need to obey him. Here's the main thing I want to say about verse 8. In the unknown, which is scary and difficult, God knows. God knows the plan. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's coming. He's never unaware. He's never surprised. God knows what is unknown to us. Abraham trusted that God knows. And that even in the unknown, God would be faithful to his promise. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation, but God also gave him other promises along his journey. In Genesis 15:1, God says to Abraham, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. 
Abraham, I will protect you. I will be with you. I promise you my presence and that you will find your great reward in me. Abraham clung to God's promise in the unknown. And for us today, God has not changed. He is still a great God with glorious plans, and they are often unknown to us. And yet God still knows. God knows the plan. He knows what he is doing. We aren't asked to figure out the unknown, but rather to obey the God who knows. And in the unknown, we have a promise that we can hold on to just like Abraham. In Matthew 28, when Jesus sends out his disciples and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, there was a lot of unknowns for them. And Jesus says to them, and surely, am I, okay. I do not have this one, but Jesus says to them, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't promise his followers safety and health. He didn't promise them wealth and riches. He didn't tell them it's going to be easy or certain or known. Jesus told them, I will be with you. I promise my presence. And for you and I today, no matter what unknowns of this life will come, we who follow Jesus have that same promise that Christ will be with us. We'll never be without his presence. And it's a great promise to have that Jesus Christ will never leave or forsake you. And we need to hold on to the promise of his presence in the unknowns of our lives. Obeying God wasn't easy for Abraham. He was, he was giving up all that he knows to go into the unknown. The next few verses are going to share some of the more challenges that he faced along the way. It shouldn't be a surprise that after leaving his country, his people, and his family, and making his home in a new land, that Abraham would face other difficulties. Entering a new land forced him into a whole new world of living life as a stranger. He had lost what is familiar, what was normal, what was comfortable, and now he had to live the rest of his life as an outsider. And this, was, this is what Hebrews 11.9 shares with us. It says, By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham was like a stranger in a foreign country. And for some of us, the idea of being a stranger is not just a concept or a theory, but it's been a very real personal experience for you. Maybe you aren't from Chicago originally, or you weren't even born in the United States. And for you, there have been incredible challenges and struggles living in a land that you did not grow up in. And maybe even today, you still wrestle with some of those feelings of not feeling at home here. 
my wife Yvonne came to the U.S. from Australia. And when she got to O'Hare, she was looking for her name on a poster card. She didn't know a single soul in this country and had to start completely over. It's extremely difficult to enter a new land and to live life as a stranger. Not only was Abraham a stranger, but Hebrews 11.9 tells us that he lived in tents. He's unable to lay down roots and lives life as a nomad, going from place to place. For those of you who travel a lot for work, I can't imagine the feeling of waking up in the morning and trying to remember, what city am I in today? And I'm sure for you, life on the road gives you a longing for home. And that was Abraham's reality. Place to place, living out of a suitcase, no place to settle down. But here's what it did for Abraham. It created a longing and desire for a home that only God could provide. This is what the unknown, living as a stranger, and the temporary nature of life does for us. The pain reveals the God-given desire that can only be met and found in God. Even as Abraham faithfully followed God, he knew this life couldn't offer everything he wanted and needed. He was looking ahead to more permanent and everlasting home. This is what Hebrews 10.10 tells us. It says, For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Feeling like a stranger ultimately reminds us this is not our home. This world is only a glimpse of our future. Tents and temporary dwellings remind us that many things in this life will not last. I think it would be easy to, to try to run away from these feelings of being a stranger, feeling like an outsider, struggling with the temporary nature of life. But if we're able to face them and embrace them before God, God can use it to enlarge our hearts with anticipation for the ultimate home that he will give us. When we begin to trust in a glorious God with great plans, we look ahead with anticipation and joy because you know what? No matter what this life throws at us, no matter how much pain and disappointment you will endure, no matter how many days you will live life on this earth as a stranger, no matter how often you experience the temporary and shifting nature of life, God is building an eternal home for his people that is worth looking forward to. This is great news for us. God is building an eternal home for us. Hebrews 11 tells us it is a city with foundations, a home that is strong, secure, and everlasting. It's a city whose architect and builder is God himself. God dwells there, invites his people to experience the everlasting safety 
and joy that we truly long for. God made a promise to Abraham about his future eternal home with God. Like Abraham, those of us who follow Jesus have been given a promise by Christ himself of our eternal home. John 14, Jesus says to his followers, I mean, he's comforting them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has plenty of room. If that were not so, would I have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you? I believe with all my heart that the best is yet to come for those who follow Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I I think there's a lot of great things God gives us here on this earth. I love my family. I love the people that God has brought into my life to share my life with. I love our church and what God is doing here. I love ice cream and coffee. I love the Green Bay Packers. So many great things in this life. And I believe all these great things are a foretaste of exponentially greater things that God has in store for us in our future eternal home with him. We have a big God who is building a future for us that will be unbelievable and beyond what we can imagine or even dream it could be. Abraham looked ahead and he banked his hope on the ultimate and everlasting promise of his eternal home with God. And we can look ahead with joy no matter what we're facing in life these days, no no matter how much pain or disappointment or struggle, because we have been promised a future home with Christ forever. And I think the question for us is, will we believe that the best is yet to come? Because if you do, it will frame how you live in this world today. When you feel like a stranger or an outsider, or you struggle with pain disappointment. We have a great hope with Christ for our future. The last thing we're going to see in this passage is how God steps into Abraham and Sarah's story. He does a miraculous thing. Hebrews 11, 12. You guys tell me not to point here, to point there, and I keep pointing here. Okay. And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Remember, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him to leave his homeland. And Abraham and Sarah, they waited many years for their promised heir to be born. And in the waiting, things got a little bit messy. They began to take matters into their own hands. And if you're familiar with the story, Sarah gave her maidservant Hagar to sleep with Abraham, and she conceived a child. 
named Ishmael. But Ishmael wasn't the promised child. So they were back to the drawing board. They were back to waiting. When God appears again to Abraham 24 years later, he's 99 years old, in Genesis 18, and he tells Abraham, a year from now, Sarah will give birth to a a child. And what does Sarah do? She laughs at God. There was doubt. There was fear. It was still messy. And here's the thing. Abraham and Sarah didn't have perfect faith. But it wasn't the perfection of their faith that was needed. What was needed was a God who was faithful to his promise. And that's encouragement to us today. It's not always our perfect faith that matters. It's a God who is faithful to his promise. And Hebrews 11 is highlighting this here. Even though Sarah is a woman who's way past childbearing age, she'll be 90 years old when she gives birth to Isaac. Even though Abraham was as good as dead, according to the text, even though it had been 24 years since the initial promise, God was going to come through and he was going to do it in miraculous fashion. God can take a 90-year-old woman and allow her to conceive from the seed of a 100-year-old man. Our big, great God is not bound by a person's age, the laws of science, mathematical formulas. He is a God who's able to break through and do the miraculous and the ridiculous and the amazing. God showed Abraham and Sarah that he is a God who keeps his promise. And he does it in his own way and his own timing. Sarah laughed at the news, but God ultimately got the last laugh. God always gets the last laugh because he has never missed one of his promises and he never will. We have a great God who does the miraculous. Not only is God going to prove his faithfulness, but out of these two who have physically seen better days, God is going to do something incredible and lasting. Not only will Isaac be born, but God says your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. God's like, I'm going to blow your mind And what I'm going to do with this old couple, out of this elderly couple, God is going to build the nation of Israel, the people of God. He's going to continue this lineage, eventually leading to the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Out of this one miracle, and miracle after miracle, God has built and sustained his people and his plans throughout history. And God is still doing miracles today. He's not done unfolding his glorious plans even today. I believe the most miraculous thing that God does is he takes a human heart stained by sin, selfish and depraved, 
and dead to the things of God. And he takes that heart and makes it come alive through the work and person of Jesus Christ. And he creates a new creation, a new person, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every life transformed by the grace of God is a miracle. It's a testimony of a big and great God with big and great plans. You and I who have bended their knee and surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ are part of the miraculous story of the people of God. This morning, I want us to remember that amidst the twists and turns of life, God is unfolding his great and glorious plans among us. And he's a God who knows. Even when life is unknown and scary and hard for us. He's a God who's building an eternal home for us. The best is yet to come for those of us who follow Jesus. And he's a God who breaks in. And he does the miraculous amidst his people. As we close, I want to just share a couple just practical things that hopefully you can take away from this message and hopefully apply Hebrews 11 to your life. The first one is don't put God in a box. I'm concerned for myself and for all of us that often we can limit what God can do or we can expect God to work and move how we want him to and it just doesn't work that way. God's ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. As we saw in Abraham and Sarah, like he has his own plan, his own agenda. He's going to do it in his own timing. And I think a challenge, especially for those of us who have walked with God for a long time, is we can think we, we have God figured out or somehow we can manage or control what he has planned. And when we try to do this, we put him in that little box We make him very small. We limit what he can do and who he is. I think this gets very practical when we're facing a difficult situation in our life. If you're struggling with a broken relationship or there's an illness or sickness in your family or maybe your career is not moving forward like you want it to. And in the hardship, we just want God to fix it. We want God to heal that relationship, deliver us from this illness, provide a new job. And there are times where he will step in, he will break through and provide. But there are times when he will not, and there's no guarantee things will get better. I think it's at those times that God is reminding us that he's not just the God who fixes things. He has a greater plan in that situation. He's trying to draw you to himself. So let's not put God in a box and just make him the God that we want to fix our problems. He is a God who's bigger and greater than that. In those situations, he's inviting us to trust him in the unknown. To believe that he has a plan that's bigger than we can see right now. And the last thing is just, I think one of the most basic aspects of the Christian life is obedience. 
And I think in church culture in our country these days, we don't talk a lot about obedience. And I think we need to recapture the need for obedience. That part of having faith and trust in God is being willing to obey him. You see this clearly in the life of Abraham. When God called him to go, he obeyed. But the thing I want to highlight about Abraham is he wasn't obeying a set of rules or principles. He was obeying a person. He was obeying God himself. And through the Genesis account, we see Abraham was a man who walked with God. His obedience was the fruit of a relationship and friendship with God, not following a set of rules or regulations. I know it's different for us. We have the Bible, so we have, you know, instructions on how to obey and follow God, and I think it's important to do those things. But obedience and faith is always personal because it goes back, it flows out of our personal relationship with God. The more you walk with God and build that relationship, I think the more clear it will be how to follow and obey him. So in your Christian life right now, are you just following a bunch of rules and regulations? Or are you building a relationship with God that will lead to obedience and joy to follow God when he asks you to obey him? We have a great God. Uh, I was just reminded through reading Hebrews 11, just a great story that we're a part of. And I know in the midst of our lives and our everyday struggles, we lose sight of the big picture. But I think the word for us today is not to forget that God has a glorious story for us who follow him. It's not only for this life, but for our future life with him forever. So why don't we go to God in prayer now? I just want to invite you just to take a moment of just reflection and quiet. Is there something in the message today that God was tugging at your heart? That you sensed something that he was doing that you just need to spend a little bit more time reflecting and praying about? So I just invite you just to come to him as you are and just be honest with God with where you're at. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.